Amen. Thank you for that. Let's open our Bibles, please, to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2, we're going to begin reading in verse 10, and we'll read uh, responsively through the end of the chapter, verse 22. Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 10. And shall we stand, please, for the reading of God's Word. Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 10. When wisdom entereth into thine heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul. Discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee, to deliver thee from the way of the evil man, and from the man that speaketh froward things, who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil, and delight in the frowardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked, and they froward in their paths, to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words, which forsaketh the guide of her youth, and forgetteth the covenant of her God. For her house inclineth unto death, and her paths unto the dead. None that go unto her return again, neither take they hold of the paths of life. That thou mayest walk in the way of good men, and keep the paths of the righteous. For the upright shall dwell in the land, and the perfect shall remain in it. But the wicked shall be cut off from the earth, and the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. If you look at verse 19, none that go unto her return again, neither take they hold of the paths of life. Uh, and so tonight I want to talk to you uh, what I call more of a pastoral message, uh, giving you some personal um, counsel. And uh, one I've entitled this, The Road of No Return. The road of no return. None that go unto her return again. Let's pray. Our Father, we yield your spirit. We pray that he would direct us as to what to say, that you'd open our eyes and our hearts, that we would receive thy counsel. We pray that you would give us a unity of individual believers, all with the same goal same purpose, the same spirit, to help one another do thy will. We pray that you would reveal these things to us. We put no confidence in the flesh. We yield your spirit that somehow, at least to some degree, we could do this truth justice. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. The road of no return... Um, I would ask that everyone listen, and uh, if there's someone absent and they don't watch this, they, I really recommend that they do. Uh, God can use anybody, praise the Lord. God can forgive any and all sin, what we call minor sins to major, what we might call small things to what we call deep sin. And ever since I got saved, the good old Baptists, they would define certain sins as deep sins. But usually it was just the sin that the uh, fundamentals were against, or they would limit it to that. 
But the reality is all sin is deep. All sin is wicked. All sin is evil. And so a lot of people want to limit sin to certain things that they think is more sinful than others. Now, that is true because Jesus said that you didn't observe the, the weightier matters of the law. There are more weighty commandments in the Bible, and there are abominations in the Bible, things that God hates intensely. Um, if there is a thing, He hates it more than other sin. So there are types of sin, but a lot of people limit it to, you know, drinking, he fell off the wagon, or uh, taking dope, or uh, in the old days, he's dancing, chasing women, or uh, gambling, committing fornication, or adultery, these types of things. But the reality is, all sin is sin. And there are spiritual sins of the heart, which are manifest in different ways, that are just as evil. Pride, lust, covetousness, anger, uh, wrath, envy, jealousy, laziness. These other types of sins, which are just as sinful and against God. So we do not want to sin. That's the goal. We want to do the will of God, and we don't want to sin. So how can we not sin? Number one, the best way is not to be tempted to sin. You know, it's, I say it all the time, it's a whole lot easier not to sin if you're not tempted than it is to be tempted and not yield. So the best way to sin is not to put yourself in a place of vulnerability of temptation. We talk about it all the time. Jesus said, lead, uh, and how to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We ought to pray that many times a day. The devil knows our weakness. We need to pray that the Lord would not allow us by His sovereignty and providence not to be put in a situation of vulnerability to be tempted. So we separate from those people, places, and things. You know, if you never smell a cigarette, you're not going to be as tempted to smoke a cigarette than, than if you're around it. Or people telling dirty jokes or uh, cussing or foul language, whatever you, situation you want to use as an illustration. Um, so we separate from those places. We separate from those people. Uh, we had a guy who started coming to church many, many years ago. It wasn't this church, but he, uh, he, he tried to quit drinking whiskey and going uh, with the gang. It was a Coke and, I forget, Coke and something, whiskey, rum, something like that. So he would go to bars and just drink Coke and come on in. It would... Uh, deceive other people. They think he's, you know, drinking with them, but he was drinking a Coke and ended up, it didn't help anybody for any reason. Um, it, he, he did not amount to anything um, spiritually. So the Bible tells us, keep thine eye single. Keep thine eye single. And 
look straight ahead. So it's best not to be tempted. You know, if you're never tempted, you're not going to sin. I know that sounds very simple and profound. That's our best way, and that's the main goal. Number two, though, the second best is when you're tempted not to yield to the temptation. Seems like an oversimplification, but the Bible says there is no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. And it says that God will, with the temptation, make a way to escape. There is always that you may be able to bear it. It's a load and a test that we must endure. So not to yield means to avoid something that is very powerful and alluring and it appeals to the base lust of the flesh, our own pride and ambition, and the urges that we have. So what's the best way? Don't be tempted. That's the goal. We ought to pray for it. We ought to live these principles. Secondly, second best not to sin is not to yield when you are tempted. To realize it's not worth it. Sin brings death. It's not worth it. There are things more important. And like Moses, he, he suffered with the people of God, the affliction, rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin, which are but for a season. So what is God's will? Romans 16, 19, we are to be simple concerning evil. Simple means you do not have to be knowledgeable and educated about sin. You do not have to experience sin. You do not have to subject yourself to sinful places and sinful people. God wants you to be ignorant of these things. So that's the goal. Some of us have done this. Most of us have not. Now, you do not have to do heroin to know heroin is wicked. The devil wants to bring a curiosity of an alluring temptation that people are missing out on something. You don't have to drink to know that drinking is wrong. You don't have to smoke to know that smoking is bad. You don't have to be a rebel and disobey and be a criminal to know what the results are. You can watch what happens in the lives of other people. You can observe, if you have any, your eyes open, the uh, destruction that is brought on their life, their family, their finances. Many of them are incarcerated. Many of them don't learn again. They go back and back and back again in the correctional institutions. So what's the goal? Not to sin. What's the best way? Don't be tempted to sin. What's the second best way? Don't yield to the temptation when you are tempted. Now, we as a church are taking the baton of the truth from the previous generation, the great men and women of God, and passing it to the next generation. And we need to love the children, Jesus said, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And our goal should be for our children to turn out right. That ought to be your goal as a parent. Yes, 
Your goal as a parent ought to be training your children the way they should go so that they can live a life of separation where they, they are not tempted to sin, and then they'll have the power and strength, if they fall into temptation, to resist the temptation. So our goal in the church, any Bible church, the goal is for the God's people and the members to live right and to do the will of God. Amen. Now, most churches are a social club. They're in a popularity contest. They're worried about their numbers and their attendance and their finances. They live in fear. They're religious but lost. And they're a bunch of compromisers. They, they don't even want to say the word sin. And sin is becoming an offensive word. They even want to make sin in this political correctness some type of a hate crime. But the wages of sin is death. Now, we talked about not being ashamed. Uh, what is, why do you have to be ashamed of if you've never done it? You know, and I asked all the parents to listen, the grandparents, aunts and uncles, all the children, all the teenagers. There's nothing to be ashamed of if you're innocent. You ought to shout glory that you never did it. You ought to shout glory that you've kept yourself pure and didn't yield. But many of us have never been tempted, those who were trained, brought up right by parents who had the group cause of unity with the grandparents and the other brothers and sisters in the church that our children would turn out right. We ought to shout glory, not, you know what they're going to say, oh, you're, you've been sheltered, you know, and you, you just tell them to shut up. Oh, you've been sheltered. You're naive. You're a little uh, simpleton. You don't know the ways of the world. No, I, I know that I, that'll kill me. I know enough to know not to do that. I know enough that when I see somebody say something, I need to tell them to leave or I need to leave the room. I know enough that that's a sin against God. I'm not ashamed. You know, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for is the power of God and the salvation to the Jew first, also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed and, uh, as it is from faith to faith, and the just shall live by faith. I knew a guy. I grew up with this guy. I'm almost embarrassed to say this. On his 16th birthday, his dad bought him a beer and a prostitute. He wanted him to be a man of the world. Didn't turn out very good. Didn't turn out good at all. He, grew, he became a depraved, wicked, criminal, deviant sinner. It's nothing to be ashamed of that you, you dress right and women that you're modest. Right. Nothing to be ashamed of that you don't have many friends or you don't go out at night and party or cruise the streets and cruise Sonic looking to get in trouble. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Amen. Amen. In a Bible church, we are to have unity. So the pastor, uh, the staff, associate pastor, all the Sunday school teachers, everybody who's over ministries, um, we have a goal. What's the goal? Not to sin. 
What's the best way not to sin? Don't be tempted to sin. What's the second best way? If you're sin, we all will fall into temptation. Don't yield. So, if we all have these goals, we support one another. You know, I could have called this God's, the true support system is a church where everybody is trying to help. I'm on your side, parents. If you'd get on my side, God would back you up and your children would fall in line. I'm on your side, men. Uh, and if you'd get right, your wife would submit and fall in line. If we all were in this together, cousins, brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, grandparents. You know, what happens is the grandma's got more guts and convictions than you try to help you raise your grandkids right. Or now it's the other way around. <laughs> now you have the children raising the, parent, the kids of somebody else or doing the other job. And then somebody in the family will contradict that. And so you're too hard. Or why are you, why are you being mean to them? When what you ought to do is amen them. Say, so, yeah, let them have amen. Back me up. Support me in this endeavor. There's always a rebel out there. Always somebody sowing seeds of discord who will not get with the program. From the top down, Christ is the head of the body. Amen. Now, you know those wicked songs? I don't even remember the words. I just remember coming out of the Vietnam era and like that the wicked, the doors, and that guy would sing that song, break on through to the other side. And when I was a young, I didn't know what he, what he was saying is, cross the line, go down the wrong road. So there's no return. Break on through to the other. Take LSD. Take acid. Take whatever that stuff is. Adrenochrome. No, don't do that. Take ecstasy. I don't even know what this stuff is. Take mescaline. Try psilocybin mushroom. Break on through to the other side. And then he was talking about smoke your first cigarette, take your first drink, do your first dope, commit your first sex act, break through, because the devil knows, like it says here, you'll never be the same the rest of your life. It'll never be the same the rest of your life. Break on through. You know, he died. I, I don't know if he overdosed. He's, he broke through. He's on the other side. He's into eternity. He has to live eternally for what he did and tried to teach other people to break on through to the other side. When a man comes to a woman and tries to seduce her or vice versa, a woman, a strange woman comes to seduce a man and they commit the act, you can never go back. You have broke through. You have gone down the road of no return. You know, our goal is for the children to get married and actually their first kiss is at the altar. And it ought to look silly and goofy. And they don't know how to kiss because they've never done it. And it's nothing to be embarrassed about. You know, some of these people get up there and it's like, well, they, they've had a lot of practice. 
They know what they're doing. No, the, our goal ought to have innocent, godly, pure children that all of us are band together to try to help them to turn out right. So, when you cross the line, listen to me, things change forever. Forever. You will never be the same. So remember, God is the only one who can erase his memory and forget. When we get saved, he said, I will remember your sin no more. You know, we sing the song, what song, uh, sins are you talking about? Once you've confessed your sin, God already forgave you. Don't bring it up again. Really bothers God, and it bothers some people. Always talking about the past. If you if you've confessed it, God forgot about it. Don't bring it up, and don't talk about it unless you're giving a testimony. But we cannot forget everything we've seen. You'll never forget it. Everything you've looked, you've watched, everything you've ever heard, we cannot erase our memory. Every experience of life, everything we have felt, we'll never forget it. So, what were we talking about? The best way not to, be, not to sin is not to be tempted, right? If you've never seen it, you don't know what it looks like. It's not alluring. If you never heard it, you don't know what it sounds like. It's not that alluring. If you've never felt it, you don't know what it feels like. It's not that alluring. And if you've never done it, you don't know what it's like. It's easier to get the victory by being simple concerning evil, holding your head up high, praising God, shouting glory that God has kept me from these things. Praise the Lord. And that's what we're praying for all of you. But if you've seen it, if you've smelt it, if you've tasted it, if you've heard it, if you've felt it, if you have done it, it's more tempting to do it again. It's more tempting to be in a situation where you're weak and it brings up memories that you have already done it in your past and you could fall into a state of such weakness that you would yield to the temptation. So remember, Genesis is the book of beginnings. Adam and Eve were innocent before God. God told them, told Adam to dress and keep the garden. He told them not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What happened? The so-called rules and regulations and the thou shalt not and the restrictions, they disobeyed God. Eve yielded to the temptation, gave to her husband. Adam willingly disobeyed. We all sinned in Adam. Death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And then they entered into this conscious state of guilt and shame that they were naked before God, and they looked for fig leaves to make clothes to cover themselves up because they lost their innocence. And it was, it, you know, 
a lot easier not to eat of that fruit than it is to now look what's happening in all the world. So there are three types of people here tonight. No exceptions. Number one, now I know we've all sinned. I'm talking about the, what we would define as worldly deep stuff. Worldly deep stuff. And you know, I hope you know what I mean by that. Number one, you have the innocence. There's innocent people. Now I know we've all sinned, but as far as this message is concerned, who haven't done it yet. They don't know what a cigarette tastes like. They don't know what beer tastes like. They don't know what liquor tastes like. They don't know what pot smells like, unless you go to California or uh, Colorado. We're on vacation. Man, they opened a, it just blew out of the elevator. Um, it's, it's everywhere. I'm sure it's everywhere here, too. But a lot of people don't know. They don't know what it's like to be on speed, to pop a black molly or a yellow molly or snort battery acid or uh, do these types of things. They don't know. There's innocent people here tonight, praise the Lord. They haven't kissed the opposite sex yet. Hope it better be the opposite sex. But they haven't done that yet. They don't know what it's like. They don't know what it's like to carouse and run with and do these things. They don't know. Now, f for you, I say, don't do it. Keep yourself pure. Live a simple, separated, segregated life. Live a boring life, whatever you call it. Live a, a, a rules and regulated life. I don't go there. I don't go around those type people. I will not subject myself to these things. I want to keep myself pure from the temptation. I beg you, grandparents, Teach your grandchildren, uh, parents, let's encourage one another, Sunday school teachers. This is the goal. And there's always some little person out there or thing or it who wants to drag you down and pull you through the mud because they've already done it and they don't like you being pure. They want you to be dirty like they are. And it's usually in your family. A lot of times in your family or somewhere close. There's always a cockroach hanging around somewhere. And you know what you do to cockroaches? You squish them. And it goes, it splatters. Number two, there's others of us who have yielded. And we have done things we regret. We have subjected ourselves to substances we can't take it back. We've gone down the road of no return. There's things we smelled, tasted, ingested, listened to. There's places of ungodliness we allowed our feet to take our body. There's wicked things we've allowed our hands to pick up. And the Bible says, touch not the unclean thing. There is ungodliness in we have allowed in our mind, in music, and all sorts of witchcraft and all these things in the world. Now, that's most of the people in this world. Before you get the high horse, that's almost everybody here. You watch filthy trash on the movie and the Internet, and it's a shame. Oh, most of us have. And you can't take it back. 
It's the road of no return. Now, for that group, I've got good news for you. There's still hope. Christ is the answer. You can still have the victory. It's just more difficult. You can still have the total power of God. It's just you have these temptations of already experiencing these things, and you can't forget it because we're not like God. But the good news is you can still have the total victory. Praise the Lord. But it's more difficult because you're going to be tempted more, and you're going to have to not yield to the temptation. All right? So, first group is innocent as it relates to this message. Second, those who have yielded, but Christ is the exception to the rule, He can still give you the total victory. The third group are those who are standing, but one day you'll fall. And I really want to talk to you about this. When you fall... Get back up. And, and I'm not justifying sin. I hope you know that. I'm not saying it's, it's not a big deal. If you yield, and, and, you, and by the way, compromise never works. When you're in a system and one person wants to go around some rule for a stupid reason and compromise, it never, ever has worked or will work. It is a compromise of the conviction. But for those who fall, get back up. Now, we'll talk about it more in a minute. So come back, stand up. And Proverbs 24, 16 says, A just man falleth seven times, riseth up again. And don't tell anybody you fell. I, I, I don't understand these people thinking, well, I already subjected myself. I have these weaknesses I tripped, stumbled, and fall, fell. Just get up. Don't talk about it. Like Brother Howell said, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Don't ruin your reputation and tell anybody else. Keep private things private. If it's public, they already know. Use some wisdom and just get back up. Uh, and, you know, all you have to do is get back up one more time, then you fall, fell down. And, you know, I, I said this a while back. If, if, uh, if somebody got saved, they're trying to clean up their vocabulary, and they're trying to get a salty speech with savor, and they have some lingo and some crass words and things, and it's not usually going to happen just like that. You may slip and say something. That doesn't mean you quit. You get back up. And it's the same thing with all these other things. You know, I was, at a, I was at the restaurant, and this country western song came up. It was George Crooked. And I heard this song, and it really reminded me of something when I was boot scooting boogie about 10 years ago, and I couldn't do the two-step because I got two left feet. And I have to admit, that was very exciting, and I liked it. Well, don't tell anybody. Just get back up. Get, get back. There's some people never heard country music. They don't even know what it is, and they think it's stupid. You know, there's a tear in my beer. 
Yeah, it's all stupid. But some people are given over to it, and it has an alluring draw on them. It may be wicked rap music or rock music or whatever it is. Get back up. Now, some people never heard rock music their whole life. They hate it, and they think it's nothing but a bunch of noise. Some people worship classical movement or music. Beethoven and Mozart weren't as what they're cracked up to be. Study them. Whatever it is. And then you have all the young people. Well, I want to be like them. I want to sin and ruin my reputation like that. And why can't I go there? Well, if you had any sense, you realize once you go, you'll never come back. Once you go there, you'll never come back. Once you dance, you'll never come back. It's the same. I can't explain it. God said it. It doesn't mean God won't forgive you. What it means is that's locked into your memory, and now you're tempted in that way. But if you're never tempted, you don't even know what the temptation is. Or if you don't yield to the temptation. So, um, in the text, discretion shall preserve thee. The what, the when, the where, and the how much comes from God's Word. Wisdom, when wisdom enters thine heart, you'll understand this. When wisdom comes in, you'll understand this. Understanding shall keep thee. You'll understand, is it worth it? Should I do this? What price will I have to pay? Is the cost too great? To do what? Deliver thee from the froward man. Now that word froward means to move continually away from God. As a fool. Always froward. Always, it's really the lifestyle of a fool. Always doing what a fool does, the foolish. From the way of forwardness, frowardness, excuse me, speaking froward things, having paths of uprightness and the ways of darkness, these types of wicked people. And it says, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Sinners want somebody to sin with. They love to sin in crowds. And then what will it do? Deliver thee from the strange woman. You can recognize how she dresses, how she paints her eyes. How does she wear her hair? How does she paint her lips? How much skin does she show? Is it tight and body forming? You can know it and you'll automatically know. I'm not falling for that. <laughs> That's a strange woman. What do they do? Flatter with their words. Tell you what you want to hear. They'll get you from the guide of your youth. Forgot the covenant of God. Her house inclineth unto death, and her paths unto the dead. And then the text says, look what it says again. In verse 18, for her house inclineth unto death and her paths unto the dead. None that go in unto her return again, neither take they hold of the paths of life. There's something that happens when someone goes down the road of no return. There is a line 
that is crossed and they step on through to the other side, they will never be the same again. Now, the great news is Jesus Christ is the exception to the rule and he can give you the victory over what happens when a normal person, they'll never be the same. Never, ever, ever be the same. But when you get saved, Christ is the answer. And He can give you the victory of the fullness of the Holy Spirit to live the resurrected life. But what will happen is you will have to be more careful to guard yourself of the things which you've seen, smelled, heard, tasted, experienced, because you can't forget them. And then when you're in a situation, it brings up this alluring urge to yield to the temptation. So just real quick, when Abraham went down to Egypt during the drought, he backslid. He came back and got right with God, but he brought back Hagar, the Egyptian bondmaid, and she caused him trouble. So he would not have had all these difficulties with Hagar's offspring, neither would the world, if he would not have gone to Egypt. But he went to Egypt. So now he's dealing with Hagar. You know, many of us are dealing with Hagar. I'm just going to read you a few verses for a lack of time. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 6, lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life, her ways are movable that thou canst not know them. This will start a mysterious confusion about life of the path of life that you can't know it ever again to the normal person. I want you to look at Proverbs 9 and look at verse 13. A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knoweth nothing. For she sitteth at the door of her house on a seat in the high places of the city to call passengers who go right on their ways. So here's somebody just minding their business, going their ways, and here it comes. Hey, sailor. Hey, boy. Pulling you from the side. Now, I use the illustration of a, a glass door or a French door for this. When you have not yielded, you're walking down a hall. There's no doors. And right ahead's the will of God. And there's nothing to distract you. You're just minding your own business, serving God. You're not being tempted because you're not t yielding to temptation, or you're not subjecting yourself to a temptation. You're just marching along. Now, when somebody has fallen, as we are calling it, and they've yielded to temptation, now there's this hall with the will of God, but as you go, there's glass doors on the side, or French doors where the top half is glass, and behind every door is an alluring temptation of something that you've already seen, smelt, tasted, experienced, done. And so now you have to be more disciplined 
It's a lot easier to walk down a hall and just do this if there's no distractions. But now you have all these distractions and it's a, uh, remember that? Remember high school? Yeah, remember the good, remember prom night? Boy, I don't, I hope not. Uh, remember graduation night? Yeah, it was horrible. I can't even tell you what I know happened, much less of what I don't know happened in my school. There were threat and assassinations, all sorts of stuff took place on prom night. All sorts of wicked, deviant plans. And then, oh, I remember that smell. Oh yeah, I remember that experience. I remember that song. Oh yeah, I remember what that was like. So you can still do it and let thine eye be single, not turning to the right hand or left. It's just more trying. It's more tempting. It's more difficult because here's these glass doors with the alluring temptation and you're walking along and here's this strange woman calling you as you're right on your way. What's easier not to sin? Not have any temptation, not have anything calling you just to do the will of God. So we live in a wicked and an evil world. Now, I'm, I'm going to have to cut out a great deal of this. Uh, I hope you know me. I'm not condoning sin at all. Sin is wicked. It brings death. We need to live a separated life. Now, if you've, got, if you've gotten on the road of no return, what does that mean? It just means it's going to be more difficult for the child of God because now you have these alluring temptations to call you and allure you away from the path of the will of God. Now, if you fall, get back up. Get back up. Yes, it's shameful. Yes, it's bad. It's not good. But all you got to do, praise the Lord, Get back up. The Bible says examine ourselves whether we be in the faith. The, all we have to do is confess, turn from it in our heart, learn from our sin and our fall, and get back up. And even if your own heart condemns you, according to 1 John 3, God is greater than our heart. God will forgive you. And the best way to do it so you could liken this to remodeling. So if you have yielded and you have these distractions, remodel your home. Just go down that hall of the will of God and build a solid wall and take down the sliding glass doors and the French doors so that you can't see what's out there to call you right on your way and you won't have as many distractions. I'll guarantee you, though, if you're going where you can smell it and hear it and feel it and sense it, you're going to be tempted much more than if you isolate yourself through wisdom and biblical separation and you just build a wall and look straight ahead. And that's what it says. Let thine eye be single. Turn not to the right hand or the left, because there's that strange woman and, and, you know, it's a literal wicked woman who wants you to commit fornication or adultery or both. 
but it also represents spiritual adultery, cheating on God, sinning against God, that we are betrothed to Him as the bride of Christ, and she represents this wicked, wicked, alluring temptation. And the best way to sin is not be tempted. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I've arrived at this by any means. I just knew I had to take drastic measures if I was going to make it for God. When I got saved, drastic measures. And really, it wasn't even drastic. All I was doing was building some walls, some doors, solid doors, so I didn't have to be tempted as much. Um, so there's no take, temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. So one of the, just as an example, and I'll be through, one of the things that me and my brother did, we had a rock music record burning, and we went out to a church member's. He lived on a farm. We had a 55-gallon drum. We b built a fire, and we just threw the thing we loved the most. Or, you know, I was really into it, and I was in a rock band, and I started throwing them. And, and I, uh, you can believe me or not, Ted Nugent just came out with cat scratch fever, and he's standing there screaming. And we heard the devil screaming when the record was burning and the flames were coming with all the ACDC and all that sinful, wicked trash. And there's a lot of people, you know, you're still hanging on to your old collection. What's easier not to do it if you don't have it at all or if you have it and you go, hey, I may listen. No, get rid of it. Now, that's what, I don't understand why you can't delete your address book of the old crowd so they don't even know your number, and if they call, don't answer. I don't understand it. Rather than being tempted with the old crowd. So the good news, even if you've gone down the road of no return, praise the Lord. God will give us the victory of encouragement to live the life. And I ask you again, as, as parents, grandparents, uh, teachers, Sunday school, let's all band together. And we have a goal for our children to turn out right. That's the goal, to have structure. And there's always going to be someone to come in and try to break down with a compromise of the system. Be aware of that. We ought to thank God that we have family that tries to help us. And thank God that somebody's hard on us. When they're too hard, yeah, well, look how yours turned out already. Yeah, no, they're not too hard. They're probably not hard enough. If the truth, um, you know what I mean, in a right way. All right, so let's try to see life from this perspective the road of no return.